Hey, you're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in and around the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles throughout the week. And then we scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome to episode 11 of Make and Multiply. Thanks for listening. My name is Ryan Chase. I'm one of the pastors at Emmaus Road Church in Sioux Falls. And you know, this podcast uh, was originally created for members of Emmaus Road Church who are participating in gospel community with the mission of making and multiplying disciples. If you don't belong to Emmaus Road and you're listening in, welcome. We're glad that you're listening. And we trust that this is an encouragement to you, that this builds and strengthens your faith in, your delight in, your love for Jesus Christ. And we we trust that this will encourage you in whatever context God has placed you, where you are living on mission to make and multiply disciples as well. In this episode, I want to talk about some gospel tools. Our third habit, the third habit of our discipleship huddles is plan and pray. And that that habit is meant to keep us always thinking about the broader scope and mission of God. It's so easy as Christians to grow really insular and ingrown and focused on ourselves that we forget about the world around us, those who are lost. And so we we can fall into these habits where we just keep meeting together and and preserving the status quo and, and what's comfortable about our group of fellow Christians. But we always want to be thinking, okay, so what is God doing in us? And then who is he calling us to tell about this? Who can we share with? And so this episode, I want to talk about a few things really growing out of a sermon that I just preached last Sunday from John chapter four and Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well. The the significance of that woman's testimony is huge in John 4, especially verses 25 through 42, where the woman goes back to her village of Samaritans and she tells people, come meet a man who told me everything that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And many Samaritans from that village put their faith in Jesus. They come to saving faith in Jesus because of that woman's testimony. It's, it's her testimony that leads them to Jesus. So when we talk about planning and praying, part of that planning part just means uh, we are committed to regularly rehearsing the gospel. We're committed to thinking about and intentionally looking for points of connection in our interactions with other people throughout the week and then bringing Jesus up in conversation. And so learning a few simple gospel tools and practicing those together, uh, I've said this before, the tools are not meant to be memorized and then rehearsed in some rote robotic way in conversation. The point of the tools is that the more comfortable and familiar we get with talking about the gospel and explaining the gospel, the more we can just do that in our own words, in comfortable, natural ways in conversation. So rehearsing the gospel is part of growing in that. And we've talked about this on on this podcast before, Jeff Vanderstelt's term gospel fluency. We love that phrase at Emmaus Road Church because we believe that every issue really is a gospel issue. And the more fluent we are in the gospel, the more readily we will recognize the gospel issues going on in everyday problems and issues and concerns that come up in people's lives. When we're trying to translate everyday life into gospel issues, the gospel is still kind of like a second language to us. Like if you're learning Spanish or French or German and you have to think you're building your vocabulary, 
but then you're translating one English word to its equivalent Spanish word. You're not fluent yet. You, you can, in a very clunky way, translate word to word. But when you become fluent in another language, you just think in that language and there's no need to stop and translate it. You hear it and you know what it means without having to translate it at all. And that's how we want to be with the gospel. We, we want to think in gospel terms. We want to see all of life in terms of the gospel and understand that every issue is a gospel issue. And so before I get into a couple tools, let me just sum up in, in two ways that we see every issue as a gospel issue. Broadly speaking, we can speak of the gospel as the good news of the kingdom. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ is God's anointed king. He is God's appointed ruler of the world. And in Jesus, all that is wrong is being made right. Uh, Joshua Harris says in his book, Dug Down Deep, we can adopt small thoughts of Jesus if we limit our view of his work to our tiny self-interests. But to truly see the glory of God's purpose in Jesus, we have to look beyond our own front porch, our town, our country, even our lifetime. God's purpose is so much bigger. Jesus didn't come only to save me, forgive my sins, and improve my life. He does this. To be clear, he does this. He does save me, forgive my sins, and improve my life. But this is only a small part of a much larger picture. And what Josh is saying there is the big picture is nothing short of what what Paul writes in Ephesians 1, God is uniting all things in heaven and on earth in Jesus. God is making all things new. He's setting all things right in Jesus. Years ago when I was teaching high school Bible at Sioux Falls Christian, I had a student who wrote this, and I was so impressed, I, I saved this from her paper. She, she wrote in response to that chapter she was assigned to read, When man first sinned, it resulted in mankind being separated from God. Sin not only broke the bond between man and God, but it broke the relationship between man and man. It created wars, hatred between people, and ethnic cleansing. The earth even seems at war with itself because of events like earthquakes and hurricanes. So she sums up how everything is made wrong because of sin, and then we see the significance, the huge, massive, universal scope of what God is doing in Jesus, making all things new. First, spiritually, by saving people, and then physically, our bodies will be raised from the dead, and this very world will be uh, renewed and cleansed and purified as God's new creation. And it's the life and the death and the resurrection and the rule and reign of Jesus that makes all things new. So we can talk about that as the gospel of the kingdom and sum that up in terms of creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And when you get that framework in mind, then it's clear that everything is a gospel issue. Every problem and issue and concern that comes up, anything that's wrong in the world is ultimately going to be set right because of the rule and reign of Jesus, because of his life and death and resurrection. So cancer and unemployment and racism and abortion and oppression and corruption, and all of those things are gospel issues because everything that's wrong in the world is going to be set right through Jesus Christ. But then we can zoom in on individual lives, and oftentimes the gospel is communicated as a gospel of eternal life and salvation for individuals. And that's right, because the gospel is good news for individual people, and it calls individuals to respond to the message of Jesus Christ in faith. And so 
in when, when we're talking about the gospel that way, we usually outline the gospel something like God, man, Jesus, response, and and we communicate to people beginning with God. God is the creator and ruler of the world. He made you to know him and be in right relationship with him, but your sin against God separates you from God, and God is just and holy, and he must and will punish sin, and so the consequence for your sin is death and eternity under God's wrath, but the good news is Jesus came, he lived, and he died in your place so that your sins could be forgiven and God's wrath would be satisfied so that you could be reconciled to God, brought back into relationship with him. And so the response to the gospel is repentance and faith. If you repent and believe in Jesus, you will be saved. And so when we think about the gospel like that, we we realize every problem, issue, or concern that involves a human being is a gospel issue. So think about it this way. If there's a human involved, it's a gospel issue. Take something that doesn't necessarily strike us as a gospel issue at first. Think of cancer, for example. If you have cancer, what do you need? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is a doctor. You need an oncologist who understands cancer and the human body and can treat your cancer and knows the treatment options that are available. So absolutely, you need a doctor. In what sense is cancer also a gospel issue? Well, broadly, one day, all things are going to be made right and there will be no more cancer. But right now, as long as you have a human being who has cancer, then you have a body with cancer and you have a human soul in that body who's going through that experience. And the soul, that's where the gospel issues arrive. What goes on in the soul of a person who has cancer? We could imagine all kinds of things, anxiety, fear of death. Uh, Some people react with bitterness and anger and resentment at the world, at God. Um, Somebody might begin to feel all kinds of regret about what they did or did not do in in their life if they realize that their their lifespan is going to be shorter than they expected. So all kinds of um, attitudes of unbelief, as we call them, can arrive uh, arise in the soul of the person going through cancer. And that's where we see that cancer is a gospel issue. Yes, you need a doctor to deal with the physical side of things, and you need someone who can skillfully apply the gospel to the soul going through cancer. Take another example, a, a car accident. Doesn't strike us immediately as a gospel issue. What do you need when there's a car accident? Well, you need a mechanic who can fix the car. You probably need to contact your insurance agent, you call the police immediately so they can document everything. Um, depending on the type of accident, maybe lawyers would be involved. So obviously there are all kinds of needs on that level. But if there are humans involved, then you have human souls going through that situation. So what goes on in the soul of a person in a car accident? Again, you can think of possible attitudes of unbelief that might arise in somebody involved in a car accident. You might have anger and frustration and resentment at the other driver. There might be guilt and shame if you were to blame at all. There might be fear and worry and anxiety that comes up because of an injury and what does that mean for the future and my ability to provide for my family and all of those issues. When, when you start to get to the person in the midst of the problem, you see that every problem is a gospel issue. If, if there's a person involved, then there will be soul issues, uh, gospel issues where the good news of Jesus Christ, his life and death and resurrection and ruling and reigning is needed. And and as disciple makers, we want to learn to pay attention to the person 
in the midst of the problem so that we're, we're listening to the details of the problem, but we're caring about the person who's going through it. And, and that's where the, the material from uh, Jimmy Scroggins and uh, forget the name of the other guy who wrote the book, Turning Everyday Conversations into Gospel Conversations, the transition piece that they teach is just listen in your everyday life for any time somebody talks about problems, issues, or concerns. Because as you grow in gospel fluency, you'll recognize that there's a person who's expressing a concern about the world, about their personal life, about a relationship. There's a person in the midst of the problem. So whether it's a, a big thing, they're worried about um, you know, terrorism in the world, or they're worried about global warming, or they're worried about immigration, or uh, politics, or it's a personal issue or concern, their marriage or their parenting or um, their finances, whatever it is, you realize there's a human person going through this and you start to listen. Listening with gospel ears, having gospel fluency means you're paying attention to the person in the midst of the problem, the person with the issue or concern. And the transition piece, the tool I want to talk about here is just asking that simple question. Um, If you have not gone through the exact situation the other person is going through, you can say something like, I haven't been through that. I don't know exactly what's that, what that's like, but I have experienced similar fill-in-the-blank anxieties, worries, fears, uh, guilt, shame, resentment, whatever it is. Uh, and, and can I share with you something that has been helpful to me? That's an easy way to transition a, a conversation to the gospel. If you're wondering, how do I bring the gospel up in everyday life? Listen carefully. Uh, empathize with the other person, and then ask them if you could share something with them. And and the thing that you would be sharing with them then is the gospel of Jesus, specifically applying it to that area. How is the life and death and resurrection of Jesus good news for somebody going through that problem, somebody dealing with those fears and concerns or those attitudes of unbelief? How does Jesus set us free from that? The other tool I want to talk about is the 15 second testimony. And I first came across this through a ministry called No Place Left. And I I don't know if they created it or they got it from somebody else, but I find this to be helpful because when you boil your testimony down, um, one, when it's short and brief like this, you you can bring it up readily in any kind of conversation. Um, Two, when you try to boil it down, we often find saying something in fewer words takes more thought and preparation and care. So you can easily expand on it and add to it, but communicating it in uh, a few brief words makes you think very carefully about what you're going to say. So the the outline of a 15-second testimony, there are three prompts. Uh, the first one is, there was a time in my life when, second prompt is, but then Jesus, and the last prompt is, and I discovered the joy of. So there was a time in my life when, To fill that in, just choose one or two words or phrases that describe your life apart from Jesus. And I say apart from Jesus rather than before Jesus, because when you you realize that the gospel is how God changes us and transforms us, that the entire Christian life is lived by faith in Jesus, then you realize it wasn't just my life before Jesus, it's my life apart from Jesus. Anytime I realize in the process of sanctification that there's some area of my life that I'm not trusting Jesus in, I'm not submitting to Jesus, I'm not living under his his lordship and his authority, um, 
then the way that I change is by coming to know Jesus. And so we don't just have a, a past testimony from years ago before we were Christians. We have all of these. We're just piling up ongoing testimonies of how Jesus is right now in the process of saving us as we submit more and more of our lives to him, as we come to trust him in more and more areas of our lives. So think about time in your life apart from Jesus and, and choose one or two words or phrases. You might start with those attitudes of unbelief that we talk about. You might start with a list like from Galatians 5, the works of the flesh. Um, go to some place in scripture that describes sin and, and pick out a few of those that, that characterize you. So here are some examples. Uh, there was a time in my life when I was short-tempered and I lived only for myself. Or there was a time in my life when I was enslaved to pornography and took advantage of other people. Or there was a time in my life when I was gripped by anxiety and paralyzed by fear. So, so those are some examples of the, the way that your testimony might start. Uh, think about what life was like apart from Christ and pick one or two words or phrases that describe your life then. Second part is, but then Jesus, and choose one or two words or phrases that testify and bear witness to what Jesus has done for you. And think about specific connections to the manifesting, presenting issue in your life, the sin, the, the attitude of unbelief. How does Jesus, what has he done specifically for that? So for example, uh, the person who says, there was a time in my life when I was short-tempered and lived only for myself might say, but then I met Jesus who gave himself for me so that I would live for him and not for myself anymore. Or the person whose testimony starts, there was a time in my life when I was enslaved to pornography and I, I took advantage of other people and objectified people might say, but then I was forgiven by Jesus and I was set free from my slavery to sin. Or the person who says there was a time when I was gripped by anxiety and paralyzed by fear might say, then Jesus washed my sins away, saved me from the wrath of God, and rescued me from all of my fears. So that's the second part. But then Jesus. What, what did Jesus do? What did you encounter to be the truth about the person and work of Jesus? The third part then is, I discovered the joy of, and just choose one or two words or phrases here that describe what your life has been like since. What difference has Jesus made in your life? So for example, again, the person who was short-tempered and discovered that Jesus selflessly gave himself so that I might no longer live for me, but for him might say, and then I discovered the joy of trusting God to meet my needs and serving others instead of serving myself. The person addicted to pornography, then I was forgiven by Jesus and set free from slavery to sin, and I discovered the joy of walking in purity and delighting myself in God alone as my heart's delight. Uh, the person who was gripped by anxiety and fear, Jesus saved me from the wrath of God, rescued me from all my fears, and I discovered the peace of casting my anxieties on God and obeying him by faith. So there are a few examples for you. My encouragement would be come up with two or three of these for yourself, thinking about various uh, areas of sin and unbelief that you've dealt with, pointing to Jesus and the difference that he's made in your life. And so the last part of a 15-second testimony is an important part because it just, just transitions the conversation and involves the person you're sharing with. It's a simple question. Do you have a story like that? Do you have a story like that? Have you experienced that? Have you met Jesus also. And, and then that gives the other person an opportunity to share. So what we're looking for is anytime people around us are talking about and expressing some problem, issue, or concern, and we're listening with gospel fluency to the person in the midst of the problem, the person with the issue or concern, what is 
the attitude of unbelief that they are expressing? What's the sin that, that may be manifesting in their lives? And how is Jesus good news for this problem? Broadly, because he's going to set all things right one day, and personally, because he sets us free um, right now and saves us and uh, transforms our lives through faith in him. So how can we bring the gospel to bear on the lives of those we know who don't yet know Jesus. That's our mission to make and multiply disciples that involves having gospel conversations with people who are far from God right now. And just want to encourage you to rehearse that and practice that. Do that with your discipleship huddles. Do that in your missional community. Think about how you can express your own personal story and then look for opportunities to bring Jesus up in conversation with others. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles, missional communities, or gospel fluency, please email me at ryan at emmausroadsf.com. And if you're not currently part of a huddle or MC, let me know and I would love to help you get connected. If you're interested in more, you can find this content in our discipleship huddle guide, which is based on the DNA guide by Saturate Resources. The music on this episode is called Everywhere by Lee Rosevere and it's used under a Creative Commons license.